Welcome to the Moonshots Podcast. It's episode 179. I'm your co-host, Mike Parsons. And as always, I'm joined by the man with a plan, Mr. Mark Pearson Freeland. Good morning, Mark. Hey, good morning, Mike. And what an exciting show we've got for you and I, the Moonshots family, and all of our listeners today as we near the end of our current series on creativity. Can you believe it? And just to kind of mess with everybody's heads, Mark, we say this is the last episode on creativity, but it's going to be so much more, huh? This one is a huge one. If we thought that all of the episodes so far within creativity, including Walt Disney and Jim Carrey, were big Hollywood powerhouses, well, actually, Mike, we're stepping out of the tinsel town and getting into education and insightful research with Mr. Well, should I say, in fact, Mike, Sir Ken Robinson and his New York Times bestseller, The Element, How Finding Your Passion Changes Everything. And what I think our promise to you, uh, our listeners today, is that you will see in this amazing array of clips that it really does change everything when you find your passion, what you were designed to do, your natural ability, the best version of yourself, whatever you want to call it. Today, we have a bunch of clips from Sir Ken Robinson where he talks about the power of finding what comes naturally, what you're on this planet to do, how it can be expressed through creativity, purpose. It is so rich. It is way more than just an investigation of creativity. I think today is some mad combination of Elizabeth Gilbert, Simon Sinek, maybe a bit of Stephen Covey thrown in there just to like jazz it up. It is going to be so much fun, right, Mark? Yeah, there is. There's a real blend of individuals and moonshotters within the work of Sir Ken, I believe. Mm. And as we go on this journey with you, our listeners, uh, understanding and dissecting different ways of thinking and frameworks and approaches across all of our library of moonshotters, what you're really starting to see with Sir Ken Robinson is the combination of a lot of those elements, Mike. I mean, we're starting to, like you say, uh, run into different theories and frameworks that perhaps we've seen and understood and mm. now plugging it all together. We're kind of like inspectors, aren't we? Detectives <laughs> putting together the secret source behind finding your element and passion. Oh yeah. And it's going to be a one hot spicy source today. <laughs> You're so right. It's what we call the moonshots model, right? Mm. The model of the recurring patterns of what successful, great, amazing people do. And we're just trying to bottle it up so we can learn how to do it, how we can learn out loud together with you, our listeners, so we can just really push it. We want to be the best version of ourselves. We're not going to just take the status quo. We're not going to have a fixed mindset. We're going to use people like Sir Ken Robinson and we're going to find our natural abilities. We're going to find our best version of ourselves. And Mark, I don't think we want to give too much away, but we are going to lead with the clip of all clips. We are about to play a clip that will... Well, I think we should have an advisory here, Mark. Be careful. <laughs> Make sure you're sitting down. <laughs> Make sure you're ready because this first clip is a story that will knock your socks off, won't it, Mark? Yeah, that's right. It's a great demonstration of Sir Ken's wry sense of humour, Mike, but also demonstrating to us that um, I guess age and occupation are no barrier to going out and finding your passion. So let's hear 
without further ado from Sir Ken, helping you and I and all others find their elements today. Our kids give us all kinds of signals about who they are and what they're disposed to and what engages them. And sensible parents encourage it. Often well-meaning parents discourage it because it doesn't sit with the conception of who these, what these kids should be doing. Now, I'm not arguing that we shouldn't do other things at school, that we should only follow our bliss, that we should never do things that require effort, that run against the grain. But part of our purpose is to become who we are. And we become our best when we discover what it is we can do. And we have created archetypical pathways for people, many of whom simply rattle against the walls or drop off altogether and think, I want nothing to do with this. I mean, look at the levels of disaffection, disengagement and despair that many people feel because they haven't found anything that resonates with who they are. But the other important thing about the Bart story to me is this. It illustrates something profound to me, which is that life is not linear. Our education systems are, but life is not. You know, when I went to school, the, the, the premise was if you worked hard and went to college and got a degree, you'd get a job for life. That was kind of true. You know, in the 70s, if you had a degree, you were guaranteed a job. The idea you wouldn't have a job with a college degree was ridiculous. I mean, the only reason you wouldn't have a, a job if you had a degree would be if you didn't want a job. And I left college in 1972 and I didn't want a job. I didn't. I wanted to find myself. You know, you could do this in the 70s fairly easily. <laughs> you know, so I decided to go to India, where I thought I might be. You know, and <laughs> I didn't get to India. I got to London, you know, where there are a lot of Indian restaurants. So I can go there. But, <laughs> but I... But we still have people on this path. Like, the whole premise of our education system is you have to go to college. If you don't go to college, your life is over. And this is in the face of all the evidence to the contrary, that some people never want to go to college. Some people go to college and don't know what to do with themselves now. Some people rattle around the walls and go back home again to carry on playing video games. Um, some people go to college and love it. And actually, the whole system is designed for those few people, really, or that relatively small group. This obsession with college is really important, I think, to get our heads around. I was in Danville recently doing a book signing. I was signing a book. I didn't go to Danville, by the way, to sign one book. I mean, that would be pathetic. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't like they rang from the publisher and said, quick, somebody bought a book in Danville. You know, we'll keep him talking. You know, you get here fast. A throng of books were being sold. Um, but I was talking to this guy. He was in his late 30s, I'd say. And I said, uh, what do you do? And uh, he said, I'm a fireman. And I said, well, how long have you been a fireman? He said, always. It's what I've always done. And I said, and so when did you decide to be a fireman? He said, uh, well, uh, always. He said, I, I want to be a fireman from, as soon as I got into elementary school. He said, actually, it was a problem because in elementary school, everybody wanted to be a fireman. <laughs> you know, he said, but I wanted to be a fireman. And he said, so when I got to the upper secondary school, into high school in the junior and senior years, it was a big issue because um, everyone was applying to college. And the school was saying, which college are you applying to? Everyone had to go to college. He said, no, I didn't want to go to college. I wanted to join the fire service. And he said, I had this one teacher who ridiculed me in front of the whole class in the junior. He said, you know, you will never amount to anything. If you're throwing your life away, if this is all you're going to do to go and join the fire service, he said, you could really do something. Do something. You could, you know, make something of yourself. He said, I was angry 
but also humiliated that that's what he thought. He said, anyway, I was thinking about it as you were speaking earlier. He said, because six months ago, I saved his life. He was in a car wreck, uh, and our unit was called out, and I pulled him out, and I gave him CPR, and I saved his wife's life as well. He said, I think he thinks better of me now. (laughs) But you see what I'm saying? That we are born with this immense gift of diversity and imagination creativity, but our, particularly our educational systems, have um, stereotyped it and stifled a great deal of it. And this is a process we can't allow to endure. So when people talk about getting back to basics, my argument is we should get really back to basics and say, well, what is it to be a person? What is it to be a human being? What kind of life do you want? What kind of life do you want for your kids? What kind of life do you want? I think that might, in fact, be the question that we're asking as well, Mark, don't you? I mean, it's a huge clip, you know. (laughs) I mean, first of all, let's just take a a breath because what what a charming uh, speaker Sarkin is. So good, so articulate. Um, You know, I think that great insight about life not being linear was a a real Mm -hmm. hard-hitting truth because a lot of us do expect our lives to follow a certain pattern. And when we do step back from that, you think, well, who, who told me that that should be the pattern? Why should it be the pattern for every single one of us? But I think you're right, Mike, the big important question is that, that, that final one that we often ask ourselves, maybe it's late at night, maybe it's when we're doing our journals, what kind of life do you want? And I mean, where do, where do we start? Well, the fact that you asked the question is mm. already a great start, isn't it? You're right. If you've got the awareness and the admission that it's something you can own and therefore you can control, I think you're already slightly down that path of understanding it and figuring it out, aren't you? Because you're then putting yourself in a situation where you can start to A, identify, and maybe B, proactively action certain behaviors that drive you to uncovering that passion or that reason for being. Absolutely. And I think what he goes on to do is tell one of the most powerful stories I have heard about listening uh, to your heart, mind, your soul about what you are designed Mm. to do and pursuing that. And I mean, how incredibly poignant and touching that the man who told him, you know, you're crazy, you're not going to amount to anything. He ended up saving his life, doing the very thing that teacher criticized. And oh, by the way, saved his wife as well. (laughs) Make something of yourself. I mean, it's, oh. he probably he probably regretted it by the end. I, th- I think it's it's a really encouraging story, isn't it? Yes, yeah. because it makes for for me when I think about passion, finding a way, identifying what kind of life you want to live. Not only, as Sir Ken would put it, is it orientated perhaps or or um, controlled by some of the lessons you learn at school and maybe it's influenced by your friends. What are they doing? Therefore, what should I be doing? I think your ego comes into that a little bit as well. And I think what's really reinforcing within that clip from Sir Ken just then about the firefighter, instead of him 
following that path, following his friends, following the teachers and following that linear path that Sir Ken identified. Instead, he's saying, no, no, I'll just do what, what I want. I'm mm. not going to be influenced by others. And I think that's such a nice stoic demonstration of following the, the gifts that you believe you have and the life that you want to go and live. And to then be in a situation where you do get not rewarded, but you are utilizing the skills that you, you've trained for and you end up saving someone's life, isn't that a great reinforcement of making the right decision? that's appropriate for you? Oh, it, it really is. And I, I, I think what um, we would encourage everyone to do when they hear that story is to listen to the feeling when either A, you're doing something and get over the initial hardship kind of barriers. But if you know something's really just not for you and um, on the other hand, you know there are some things that come naturally, some things that speak to you. You just enjoy almost a flow state. You just feel like this just comes to me naturally and you're compelled and curious to it. You think about it even when you're not doing it. It's about listening to those signals, interpreting them, and having the capacity to say, what's my purpose? Why am I here and how can I live today in line with that purpose? And I think, um, I think this is the book. If you're, if you want to listen to those signals inside of yourself, if you want to pursue the question of purpose, what you were born to do, why you are here and having the courage to go down that path, this is the book. Because I think for a lot of us, we might not know the path is there. And if we sense it, that path looks rather dark and murky, doesn't it? Yeah, well, because it's possibly a path that's untrodden, particularly yes. when it comes to us in our lives. You know, the paths that are well-trodden are the ones that, again, our family maybe have gone down or our friends or well-known individuals in, in the media. So it feels a little bit more achievable, but you're right, Mike. When you start to think, okay, well, maybe I'll lean towards something I haven't done before. Oh, that is murky territory. It might be deep water, you know, beware the souls who go that way. So I think it's just a fascinating and really encouraging story there of somebody taking ownership and trying to be that best version of themselves. Totally. And before we play this next clip from Ken, where he starts to break it down and we're just going to get into some serious learning together. I think he, I tell you who's on the right path, Mark, I'll tell you <laughs> who's on the right track, who, who, who is prepared to go down the murky path of being the best version of yourself. And that is our members, right? Yeah, that's right. Our Patreon members who all receive that lunar power dose of good karma and thanks, as well as uh, the achievement of going down that murky path and learning the best version of themselves includes da, 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 Bob and Niles, John and Terry, Niall and Marjolin, Ken, Dietmar, Tom and Mark, Marjan, Connor, Rodrigo, Yasmin, Daniela, Lisa, Sid, Mr. Bonjour, Maria, Paul, Berg and Kalman, Annette, David, Joe, Crystal, Evo, Christian, Hurricane Brain, and Samuela. I mean, Mike, every week it seems to get just that little bit longer and I get a little bit more breathless. It really does. And um, pretty soon you're going to have to take three breaths. Yeah. And we shouldn't forget that uh, if you become a member, 
you get access to our Moonshot Master Series. If you're a member, if we hit 50 members, or what I should be more of a growth mindset, when we hit 50 <laughs> members, Mark, mm. we will launch our first merch. Mm. I'm talking tees and posters and all that kind of good stuff, but we got to get to 50 and I'm thinking we can do some cool stuff around um, the year of JFK's moonshot speech. Got some mm-hmm. ideas there. Um, I got some, uh, I mean, when you think about shooting for the moon and the galaxy, you can imagine some cool stuff that you could do around that. Some nice gifts um, that you could give friends as well. So uh, we're at 30. We need 50, right, Mark? Yeah, we're not too far away. It's, nope. it's 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 going well, and I think you know. Again, just thanks to to our current members, and again, big shout out to all of the listeners who want to take part, not only in getting some good old merchant swag. I certainly, Mike, am looking forward to getting a moonshot hoodie, particularly as Sydney's getting that little bit chillier for this time of year. Yeah, <laughs> but I think getting a access to all of our master series is a pretty good exchange. So do I. So go on to moonshots.io, click on the big members button, join up. I mean, it's the cost of one cup of coffee a month and you can support us, help us pay some bills. B, you get a whole bonus show. Three, you get us to the the, the tipping point of swag. I mean, this is something you got to do. So head over to moonshots.io and unlock the element and unlock how you might find your passion and change everything. But we can do that right now too. And let's do that with Sir Ken Robinson, really breaking down the thinking behind the element. The element was not intended to be a how-to book. It was a, its intention really was to, to encourage a different type of conversation because I believe that uh, this is a powerfully important argument for well, several reasons. One of them is economic. You know, we, I believe, make scandalous misuse of people's abilities. And we throw away and squander huge amounts of natural talent and passion and enthusiasm. And you can see the evidence of that everywhere. People are disengaged, detached, disaffected. Uh, but when people connect with who they really are, the whole story shifts. So it's also important for personal fulfillment, for people living a life that means something. I can't imagine why you would live a life if you could avoid it uh, that didn't mean anything to you, and yet many people do. And it's also important for cultural reasons, for the health and strength of our communities. So this book was about that, and it has quite a few things to say about education and why it is that education wastes a lot of people's natural abilities, and it does, but also why people get lost in organisations and why we can't afford to do that anymore. But naturally, what people do say is, this is great, but how do I find my element? So the new book is about that. And I think it's, it's, two, it's a two-way journey. One of them is internal. In the end, you have to spend time with yourself and listen to the, the signals that you give yourself. You know, people know the things they're drawn to, things they would like to do. Very often, I don't mean they always do, but very often there's things in our lives that we wish we'd tried and we've kind of turned away from it or uh, we're encouraged not to go there. Uh, There are obstacles or barriers that other people present to us sometimes. So part of it is living with yourself and listening to those voices and making a list of them or if you prefer a collage of some sort, but some audit of yourself and maybe that's a meditative process for some people. But you can't avoid that inner journey. But the second is an outer journey. You need to try things because if you don't, if you don't 
try things, you will never know. Many of the people I've talked to in the book might never have discovered their talents but for a mentor who pushed them or an opportunity that came their way which they took. And a lot of us live in kind of encased habits of practice and thought and we can't break out of them. So the book is really an encouragement to break out of it and try it. An encouragement to break out and try it as well as encourage the conversation to be started. Mm, mm. Great, uh, again, breakdown, Mike, of the element from Sir Ken. I think I'm now really getting into the mindset that Sir Ken has around this book, which is encouraging those new conversations, those new ways of thinking in order to become that little bit more, shall we say, comfortable or confident in the path that you choose. Yeah. So let's go insanely practical right now. Uh, because we've heard that amazing story of the the firefighter mm. who saved the life of the teacher that criticized him for wanting to be a, uh, a firefighter. And now we've kind of heard from uh, Sir Ken, like we need to reflect, don't miss out on your natural talents. So how do we do this? Like I'm just getting straight into it and mm. I, I think – I'm just going to throw some stuff at you and you tell me what you think is a great place uh, to start. I feel like you you need to have, you know, some sort of um, checklist or assessment of, of where you are right now. I think you have to have uh, the, the ability just to like, I don't know, assess where you're at. Um, you know, do you feel that you are resilient in the face of uh, um, challenge? Uh, do you, are you surrounded by good people? Uh, do you think positive thoughts? Do you feel in control of your life? Do you, mm. have, do you feel confident that you're on the right track? Do you have clear goals that you can see you're making progress towards? Can you be grateful? Are you listening and learning? Are you taking on... Uh, criticism and changing your behavior? Are you investing time not only in your work, but your health, family, and friends? These would be ways at which I would try and find out if I'm, if I'm, you know, on the right track. Um, And then more specifically, then I would get into some like Myers-Briggs skills analyzer mm-hmm. uh, that will get you more into, you know, what kind of uh, person are you and, and where might you find um, like a great fit in terms of a career or a lifestyle? I don't know. I'm just thinking like how do we actually embody what Sir Ken is talking about? How do we work out where we're at and ask ourselves, are we, serving our natural talents? Are we pursuing our natural path or are we sort of ignoring those signals? What do you think? I, I think you're, you're, on to, you're definitely on the right path there, Mike. And you, you've stepped away from, or maybe you're embracing the murkiness, but you've got a good head torch on. Mm-hmm. Um, because what I like about the checklist and the, the mantras you were just going through is that it encourages an ongoing revisitation of those um, signposts, let's, let's continue the metaphor in order to see that progress. Mm. Because I think what Sir Ken's really calling out is you've got to listen to the internal concept. That's voice, that's, um, uh, reflection on yourself. That's listening to yourself. 
as well as that outer piece, which is trying something new, finding a mentor, taking their advice and so on. Mm. But I think if you take those in isolation, so internal reflection and external um, stimulus, let's say, without being able to identify the journey that you've been on and where you were at point A, which was, let's say, six months ago, Mm. point B, let's say that's where I am now, Mm. you're not going to be able to therefore identify whether or not you're, you found your element, your passion or not, because you've just changed some of the goalposts. And I really like where you're going with that, which I think is encouraging all of us to not only ask ourselves those questions, but honestly answer them in the format of, let's say a journal or, Very good. Yeah. or, a, or maybe it's as practical as a, a physical checklist, mm. you know, similar to the Myers-Briggs or the personality tests actually marking something down on a point-based system is quite interesting as well because you can then try it. Maybe it's every quarter, every three months. That's right. And seeing how you're changing. And there's a couple of frameworks around designing your life. And whether you talk Ikigai, Hedgehog, they're all basically looking at an intersection between the following things. So if you have got some curiosity um, on how finding uh, your passion, your natural talents can really, really change your life. I think the checklist kind of looks like this, Mark. I think what, what you want to be able to do is say, what am I naturally good at? Okay. What can I get paid for? What do I really love doing? And what are my, uh, what are the world's needs in terms of the mission? Like what does the world actually need? Right. Mm. Um, so you might say that's the intersection between passion, profession, vocation, and mission. Um, there's the Ikigai model, which is similar. It's basically what we're talking about here is an intersection between what gives you natural energy, what comes naturally, what does the world naturally need and what can, uh, when you do so, there is value in doing this from those around you um, without making it too simple. I think this is, if you find the things that speak to you, this is why the the, the, the payoff to Sir Ken's book is how finding your passion changes everything. Yeah, exactly. It does change everything. And I think if you can find that piece of passion, let's let's put it into a practical situation here. If you can find something that you are good at and you therefore feel, I mean, for me, Mike, if I found something I was really good at in a work situation, how does that make me feel? Well, Mm. I feel confident. I feel confident to talk to others, to express my point of view, to listen to others and to maybe be the best version of myself in that given situation. And when I don't feel like I'm very good at something, how do I feel? Well, I feel insecure. Maybe Mm. I want to be a bit quieter. Maybe I'm going to be defensive or passive aggressive. And that's not something that's going to be relevant or useful in a working situation, isn't it? And instead, if you lean in towards the things that, yeah, I I think as Ken was, Sir Ken was saying in the first clip, he's not discouraging us from trying something new. In fact, in that second clip, he's saying, go Mm. out and try something new, embrace that difficulty and see whether it works or not. But once you do start to hone down into the thing that you're really good at, imagine that feeling 
you're going to have. Imagine how efficient, productive, and pleasant <laughs> you're going to be to work right. with, <laughs> yes. right? Because you're going to be in that best version of yourself in that work situation. And so like following this line of thinking, let's say we're, we're using Sir Ken's uh, inspiration here and we're trying to find our element. And let's say you've got a hunch about things that kind of come naturally and things that you care about. I say start small, prototype. Do something on the weekend. I think one of the common things people do is if they, you know, first of all, people often don't pursue that curiosity. I think that's the first one. But the second one is if they do, sometimes they take too big a jump. Mm. They go all in and uh, just like, uh, like any sort of health and exercise goal, they set the first objective so big that it like crushes you because <laughs> you've just taken on too much. Start small, prototype, mm. experiment, do something on the weekends or at night. You, maybe it's just a little hobby, um, like pursue it. I think more than anything, I can't tell you, Mark, how many times in life things have grabbed my curiosity and I have not pursued them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. And, and, and so uh, you know, write it down. Don't let that, uh, that, that moment of curiosity go and make a commitment to coming back to it. Try it, read something, um, go and experiment, investigate. Don't, uh, sort of, don't be a zombie and just trudge along and just do what you think everyone else expects of you. Find your element. That's the call to action, isn't it, Mark? Well, it's funny, the people that stand out the most for me when I've collaborated with people, when I've met them socially, the ones who I almost admire the most and I'm most interested, I suppose, to speak to are the ones who do something a little bit different. So they might have unusual hobbies. And I think to coin the word you were just using there, Mike, that curiosity. And sometimes in our lives, you're right, we'll run into something that we're kind of curious about. And we think, oh, that would be really fun to do. And then what happens? Well, the business as usual kind of gets in the way and you almost forget about it or you deprioritize it. You're right. If you have the ownership around writing it down, coming back to it later, or as I know that you do, Mike, we might put it in our to-doist and <laughs> put a time in our to-do list to research it or maybe give it a go for half an hour on the weekend, whatever it might be. Let's say it's swimming or running or just learning a new skill at work. Mm. Doing that just for that little piece of time will then give you the, the confidence over time to pursue it more. I mean, like you say, Mike, with exercise, whether it's running or swimming, within the first either couple of K of running or within the first five or 10 minutes of swimming, things get a little bit uncomfortable and you want to turn away from it. But actually the truth is if you get past that little bit of a blocker, you start to realize, actually, I, I am enjoying this new habit or hobby or curiosity, whatever you want to call it. And I think that's, that's a really interesting uh, point of life if you can actually get past the blockers and actually start to live those uh, experiences. It can, can be a lot more, can be a lot of fun. Totally. So on that note, I think it's time to get into the, the how-tos with Sir Ken. So let's have a listen uh, to Sir Ken talking about creativity and how to make it a habit. The first of them is imagination. 
Um, imagination to me is the key to everything. It, it is, I believe, what's distinctive about humanity. We might talk about this and see if you agree, but I, I put this to you. Imagination is the ability to uh, step outside of your current space, to bring to mind things that aren't present to our senses. Um, with imagination, you can go backwards to the past. In fact, you have a past with imagination. And not just one past, but multiple possible pasts. I mean, the whole process of history is the reinterpretation, revisiting the past and trying to see it differently. If, if it were just a catalogue of dates and events, there would be no discipline for history. There'd just be bookkeepers. It, but history is a contest, isn't it, for meaning, the, 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 the discipline. But you can also step outside your, uh, your immediate way of seeing things and enter somebody else's consciousness, you know, virtually. You can empathise with people. You can try and see things from their perspective. And you can visit the future with imagination. I don't think you can predict the future, truthfully. There are some things you can predict. You can predict when Halley's Comet's coming back or when the next um, eclipse will be. You can, you can predict inanimate possibilities, but you can't predict much in the human field for reasons that we'll come on to after the break. Imagination is the heart and soul of this whole thing. If you, if you have, if you take a young child into the garden at night and point to the moon, the child will look at the moon. If you take your dog into the garden and point at the moon, the dog will look at your finger, won't they? Quizzically. Like, now what? <laughs> Why do you keep doing this? And the thing is that we are born as human beings with this expansive sense of reference, with, uh, with imagination. And it's why, although we're probably evolving at the same rate biologically as every other form of life on Earth, I mean, I can't imagine where nature's last word, can you? I mean, I hope not, <laughs> really, because there's some stuff that needs to be sorted out, frankly, hasn't it? But biologically, we're probably moving at the same rate. But culturally, we're in a different category from everything else on Earth, aren't we? I mean, if you have a dog, you don't have to keep checking in with dogs, do you? To see what's new. <laughs> you know, culturally, what's, what's happening with you people at the moment? <laughs> well, it's pretty much the same stuff, really, that we've always done. But with human beings, there's always something new because we have these, this power. Creativity is a step on, as I see it. Creativity is putting your imagination to work. To be creative, you have to do something. You could be imaginative all day long and never do anything. But to be creative, you do things. It's a very practical process. And it can be anything. We'll come on to it. So one short way of defining creativity is applied imagination. But let me be more specific. I define it as the process of having original ideas that have value. The process of having original ideas that have value. And, and the three terms matter. It's a process. It's not an event. And you can understand and manage the process. It's about originality. And it's about making critical judgments of, of whether this work is any good. All creative processes are intermingled with value judgments. And that's critically important, because you have to know which values to apply and why to what sort of work. I mean, if you're helping children draw, like five-year-old kids, you have to apply relevant criteria to their drawings, ones that are relevant to their development. You know, it wouldn't be right, would it, to take a five-year-old kid's drawing and drag him to the Sistine Chapel and say, this is okay, you know, but check this out, you know, <laughs> really, and don't waste my time, you know. You have to apply what's relevant. So it's about 
process, originality, and value. Innovation, I think, I was putting good ideas into practice. It's the process of implementing original ideas. I mean, Mike, that is a huge clip, isn't it? This is Sir Ken breaking down the DNA of creativity, which is obviously the series that we're in right now, as well as giving us, again, that kind of call to action around imagination and fundamentally how to bring new ideas to life. What, what a powerful, interesting clip. Yeah. And isn't it interesting that, that he um, specifically talks about imagination applied, mm. Mm. creativity done. Um, and it is, and it's not navel gazing. I can't stress how we are learning that it is, whether you look at great athletes, great artists, great entrepreneurs, their bias to doing something every single day, continuous refinement, continuous execution. Said differently, nobody is waiting to be zapped by an aha moment and they're perfect at that point. Mm. It is hard work trumps talent every single time. There's no like one moment. It's all about continuous iterative processes to find, to refine, you know, the best version of yourself. Like to me, the pattern is very strong there. Yeah, I I 100% agree. Whether it's somebody like a Tom Brady or Michael Jordan, they are not uh, just waking up in the morning, walking down to the court uh, or the field and just naturally talented, are they? Mm. You know, I think that natural talent might last for a bit. It will take you so long, but to be truly great and be that best version of yourself, it is that process, as Sir Ken's calling it, a managed process of identifying or imagining a new way of doing things, stepping outside, as he was saying, and creating something new. Mm. That's, that's something new. could be a product, could be a way of thinking, or it could be uh, a brand new move on the, on the court, whatever it is. Then into that application, that execution, actually bring it to life, exactly like Walt Disney, Mike. You know, we were hearing from Walt Disney just a couple of shows ago at the beginning of our creativity series of taking an idea and actually creating it, bringing it to life, applying it. And then into the third bucket or third strand of DNA from Sir Ken, that judgment piece, looking at it with a lens of value, is it good, is is again just a natural bookend to creativity, isn't it? It's wonderful. And, I, and I'll tell you um, a great way to express your creativity is with your uh, pointing your thumbs up or perhaps even writing a review, Mark. What do you think? Oh, I mean, talking about being in your element. If listeners and members want to get into their element and help the Moonshot Show continue to educate and learn out loud ourselves as well as our listeners from around the world, pop along, listeners to your podcasting app of choice, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and leave us a rating or review. Because Mike, I mean, we've spoken about it before, but it's amazing how much of a difference that rating or review makes for the Moonshot Show getting out there, isn't it? Yes. So if you've been enjoying uh, this show today, or maybe you're a regular listener, um, and you know, if, if you haven't, uh, have, if you are yet to get, shall we say, uh, to becoming a member, Maybe a first step is give us a rating or, or a review in your podcast app of choice. We would deeply appreciate it. We'd be very grateful because 
This is how we get the word out. It was by doing this that we've gone from 50 to 50,000 listeners a month. It's thanks to you sharing, liking, reviewing, commenting the show. It's a big part of how we can grow the audience. We can find more moonshotters who want to learn out loud together and be the very best version of themselves. So come on, if you're listening on that app right now, just flick the screen open, go in, hit the thumbs up, maybe type in a little review if you're on Apple Podcasts app. We would so appreciate it. And it fills me with goodwill, maybe even a touch of love for you. So it's only appropriate that we talk about love and talent uh, from the book of Sir Ken Robinson, The Element. And to do that, we're going to listen to one of our absolute favorites, which is Brian Johnson from Optimize. The nexus point of these two things, what you love and what you're good at. What you love and what you're good at. Right at that nexus point. If you love doing something so much, maybe you'd even pay to do it. And you're good at it. You have a talent for it. You put those two together, you have passion. You have the element. Sir Ken's idea is, look, we all need to discover our element. Not only for our own personal fulfillment, but for the world. The world needs more people who have come alive by discovering this nexus point of what we totally love to do and what we're really good at. That's how we're going to be able to serve the world most profoundly. Now, I like to add a third little circle here often and talk about what the world needs and what it will pay for. So when we talk about how to discover our purpose, I love to lean into Jim Collins's work, who wrote Good to Great, um, Built to Last, and a bunch of other great business books. And he talks about something called the hedgehog concept, which is basically these three ideas. What do you love to do? Again, so much you'd pay to do it. Fires you up. Time evaporates. It's just you doing what you absolutely dig. What are you good at? And Collins says, what are you so good at that you could, in fact, be among the best in the world at? Great businesses are focused on what they love to do and what they, can think, what they think they can be the best in the world at. I mean, Mike, you were touching upon a couple of these frameworks that Brian Johnson's uh, touching on in that clip a little bit earlier, the headshot concept as well as Ikigai. I think really what it's uh, coming down to is that the element, this passion, this uh, nexus point of good and enjoyment of your life is really about finding flow, isn't it? It's finding a bit of me high, ching, send me high. And the, the idea of being in your element, your focus of doing something that you're pretty good at and doing it to the best of your ability and just being in that moment of flow, isn't it? Oh my gosh. So, um, we are, we're onto some of my favorite topics right now. So, <laughs> so yeah, it's flow where things, where you're just in the zone, right? I think what Sir Ken Robinson is doing is going to the underlying conditions in order to get that. And he's even going to the first principle of asking, you know, what are you born to do? What is your natural talent? What comes to you so naturally, you know, as Brian said, what could you be the best in the world at? Now, all of, whether it's the hedgehog concept or ikigai, these are just frameworks that help you get that out. So um, definitely look at, at the hedgehog concept, Jim Collins. We've got lots of episodes on him. Check that out. Ikigai, fantastic book. 
totally get that, but and and framework as well. So just search that up. We'll have links to all of these in the show notes. The other one is Kaizen. It's uh, also inspired from uh, from Japan, as the same as Ikigai. There's obviously this idea of Zen, um, but you know what's really interesting is that there are other philosophies. Uh, from different countries, like the Danes have this philosophy that's a bit ikigai-like, which is called hige. Uh, so you can go and check that out. Um, there's many uh, good um, bodies of work that will give you checklists and frameworks really to find when you're in your element, when you're experiencing flow. Um, one of the books uh, that, that I think can really help you that we've talked about and, and done a whole episode on is Dale Carnegie's How to Stop Worrying and Start Living. And he goes to this linearity of what we're expected to do in life and how to overcome the challenges with that. So there you go. There are, Mark, there are so many ways in um, that can unlock the best version of yourself. I think once you've determined that you want to get in there, and ask these questions, what's the intersection between your passion, your purpose, what you, can you get paid for? Only good things can come of it, don't you think, Mark? Yeah, I totally agree. And in fact, we are so passionate about this topic, Mike, that you and I and the Moonshots family, we've created a master series on this very topic, which is available for those Patreon members, as well as subscribers and members on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, where if you want to go even deeper, We've mentioned a few frameworks, a few books there, but if you want to hear from the likes of Simon Sinek, Tim Tapashiro, Ron Holiday, uh, as well as Mark Manson, finding your purpose, mm. head on over to moonshots.io, hit that subscribe button and you could access to episode eight, which was a couple of shows ago on finding your purpose, as well as all of the other, I think we're up to 11 now, Mike, master series episodes where we go deep into topics just like this on purpose and element. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. So let's just do a quick recap on where we are right now. We obviously, we kicked it off with that epic firefighter story, which I, I'm just going to tell this like a hundred million times is <laughs> such a great story. And really it was a story of someone who found their element. They pursued maybe that intersection between profession, passion, mission, and vocation. They did they found what they were designed to do in life. And it's all about imagination applied and uh, using these to expand on these, to use these concepts like love and talent as well, finding what you love, finding what you're naturally talented at. And Mark, we are just going to bring all of this home with this final clip. Why don't you set it up for us? That's right. I mean, this is the perfect real bookend, Mike, because at the very beginning, we heard from Sir Kin reference the topics, the focuses within this book, The Element. And he touches upon the idea of education and how important it is that our schools embrace kids' creativity, the way that they approach things. And rather than getting caught into that well-trodden path, like the, uh, the college versus firefighter, we need to be open. So let's hear from Ken now, bookend the show and close us out with a clip all about creativity and legacy. My contention is all kids have tremendous talents and we squander them pretty ruthlessly. I had a great story recently, uh, I love telling it, of a little girl who was 
uh, in a drawing lesson. She was six, and she was at the back drawing, and the, the teacher said, this little girl hardly ever paid attention. And in this drawing lesson, she did. And uh, the teacher was fascinated. She went over to her, and she said, what are you drawing? And the girl said, I'm drawing a picture of God. And the teacher said, but nobody knows what God looks like. And the girl said, they will in a minute. <laughs> Kids will take a chance. You know, if they don't know, they'll have a go. Am I right? They're not frightened of being wrong. Now, I don't mean to say that being wrong is the same thing as being creative. What we do know is, if you're not prepared to be wrong, you'll never come up with anything original. If you're not prepared to be wrong. And by the time they get to be adults, most kids have lost that capacity. Uh, they have become frightened of being wrong. And we run our companies this, by the way. We stigmatize mistakes. And we're now running national education systems where mistakes are the worst thing you can make. And the result is that we are educating people out of their creative capacities. If you think of it, the whole system of public education around the world is a protracted process of university entrance. And the consequence is that many highly talented, brilliant, creative people think they're not. Because the thing they were good at at school wasn't valued or was actually stigmatized. And I think we can't afford to go on that way. Picasso once said this. He said that all children are born artists. The problem is to remain an artist as we grow up. I believe this passionately, that we don't grow into creativity, we grow out of it. Or rather, we get educated out of it. We have to be careful now that we use this gift wisely, and the only way we'll do it is by seeing our creative capacities for the richness they are and seeing our children for the hope that they are. And our task is to educate their whole being so they can face this future. By the way, we may not see this future, but they will. And our job is to help them make something of it. Wow. 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 I, I just like don't grow out of creativity. And what's fascinating is we hear about the natural intuitive nature of kids and their minds and creativity. But to go a little tangential, do you remember we were doing a episode in our health series, Mark, where we talked about stretching and there yes. was uh, I'm going to test you here. Do you remember the English chap that um, we studied who talked about the fact that we forget how to sit properly, how kids are naturally very um, uh, flexible and um, physically they can like put their legs behind their heads and do all this stuff, but we kind of forget how to take care of our body. Do you remember who that was? I, I want to say Patrick McCowan, but I think he was all about oxygen. <clears throat> Let's see if, if, if this kind of inspiration. Peter, Roger Frampton. Roger Frampton. That's it. That's it. Yep. But isn't this fascinating? Ken Robinson and Roger Frampton, one takes something from the mind and the heart. The other one takes something from the body to make the point of how perfect we are as little children and how we lose sight of our creativity, how we lose our physical flexibility. Mm. I was just struck as I was listening to that. It's amazing how it's all about holding on to these gifts that we are born with. Well, and, and I think this, I, I, I love that connection to Roger Franson and the Flexible Body book. And I think you're totally right. Much like uh, confidence, I think this connection that Sir Ken is making to um, creativity. So confidence, I mean, to try something new. Roger Frampton, to stay flexible. 
So Ken's now connecting it with, with creativity as well. I think this is something as, as he says that you, you grow out of, you fall into the easiest path. And we've spoken about this a lot on the show, Mike, haven't we? You find the path of least resistance in life and it's, it's quite hard to then get off it. Mm. And I love this idea of uh, almost reflecting, as Sir Ken was saying at the very beginning of the show, reflecting on what it is that kind of gets us moving. Mike, you said the word earlier that I, I want to come back to, what gets us curious. And if you can identify those, reflect on them and start to maybe lean towards them, then maybe you do start to fall back into that pattern of being a curious and confident uh, uh, individual who's a little bit more inverted commas childlike and willing to go and take those risks. Totally, totally. And, you know, for me that, um, holding on, uh, to your, to that creativity you had as a kid, to me, that is, um, just such a, a strong wake up call that we need to go back to this essence I mean, he, Ken calls it the element. Mm. This is where the truth is. And it's like we just kind of strayed from it, right? And and what Ken's book does is it brings us back to it, just like Ikigai, just like Kaizen, all those, the hedgehog framework, all of these things are means to get back to your essential element, your essential self. How powerful is that? Uh, enormous. And I think it's really in line with, that key moonshot concept mantra way of thinking, Mike, which is to go out and give it a go, challenge the status quo, take ownership of what it is that you go and do. And for me, that final clip there, which is encouraging us to uh, not grow out of curiosity and, and not be afraid to try something new, kind of reminds me of some of the big people we've had that we've covered on the show, including somebody like Elon Musk, whereby unless you're willing to give it a go and maybe to be wrong, you're never going to know whether that way of thinking is right or not. So like the girl in that final story of drawing the picture of God, hey, great, give it a go. It doesn't matter. It's the first time that you've done it. And again, it reminds me of Elizabeth Gilbert with Big Magic. Uh, no matter whether it's been done before or not, it's going to be the first time that you've done it. Yeah, really powerful, isn't it? So um, so much inside of this, this, this uh, body of work almost wraps around a lot of the moonshots uh, model, the moonshots thinking, it touches upon everything from purpose to creativity, uh, designing your life. Uh, what a wonderful body of work from Sir Ken Robinson, the element. Huh? I think it was a perfect bookend to our creativity series. He's really proven that you don't have to be in a particular uh, part of your life. You can be a child or you can be a little bit more mature. You can be in any occupation. Creativity is something that as long as you have the ability to follow that process of imagination and application um, and judgment, I mean, it's kind of encouraging, isn't it? That's that's really yes. what I'm taking, Mike. Yeah, yeah. And which, which of the little uh, nuggets that we discussed oh. today have stuck most for you? Well, you know what? I think the firefighter story is just too good. Um, <laughs> uh. I, th I think just that, that, classic insight that somebody has strayed away from the path, giving it a go because they're passionate about it and hearing that it's been successful. That for me is a kind of fist pumping moment almost. What about you, Mike? Which one is, which nugget are you taking away from today? I mean, you know, I love Ikigai, yeah. Kaizen and Hedgehog, 
But I am with you 100%, Mark. The firefighter clip was a barnstormer. <laughs> I mean, I almost, you know, just as a side note, production meeting right now, we should do like five clips from, you know, the 200, when we get to our 200th show or something, we should do five clips that are the best five clips out of what would have been over a thousand. And I think the firefighter one is right there. Oh yes. I think I agree. I think I agree. Maybe even coupled with a clip from Matthew McConaughey on mm. turning down the, uh, Oh yes. The, the, the jobs as well. Oh yes, yes, yes. And maybe we, maybe we do it live and in video so people have to put up with our ugly faces <laughs> for one time out of 200. <laughs> well, there you go, listeners. Yeah, you're hearing us come up with, with ideas on the fly. So let us know if you agree. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Mark. Well, listen, thank you to you and thank you to you, our listeners and our members, because today was show 179 where together with Sir Ken Robertson, we looked at his book, his tome, The Element. What a book indeed. And the story started with the clip of all clips, the <laughs> firefighter who followed his path despite all of the humiliation and ended up saving the life of one of the people that humiliated him. Wow, wow, wow. And behind that is this idea from Sir Ken Robinson that life is not fixed. It is all about a growth mindset to find your element, to find your passion and your purpose. And the way you do that is imagination applied. And as you go throughout that journey, you can use all sorts of great tools to find your love and your talent, ikigai, hedgehog, kaizen, you name it, whatever it takes to find the intersection of what you do and what you love to unlock your talent and make sure that you go back to that inner creativity that you were born with as a child because therein is the best version of yourself. And we are all about learning out loud together on how each and every one of us can find what we were born to do, our essential talent. That's it for the Moonshots podcast. That's a wrap.